Hi, I'm Coach Ricky Ronnie, and you're listening to The Monarchist. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Well, you guys have been asking for this for a while, and we're finally able to bring it to you. We're going to talk all things Old Dominion, Collective, NIL. We've got the pride of ODU with Jay Hasaker and Alex Mitchum. Welcome to the podcast, fellas. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. How are you? We're doing fantastic. First of all, I need to give credit to Alex for rocking his rowback pullover. That's right. For any of our listeners, if they use code Monarch Monarchs on rowback.com, they can get 20% off and proceeds will go to the Pride of ODU Collective, which Jay and Alex are uh, a big part of. So before we get started, let's hear what you guys are both doing at the collective and how you got involved. So I was uh, the one that kind of got it started and had talked to Wood and some of the other donors and felt like this was something that we need to start doing over the past year. So I'm the chairman of the board. And over the year, I kind of figured out I was going to do this on my own and we we're going to need other people to help out. And the most important person I was going to need was somebody that kind of knew the inner workings of ODU and the athletic department. And Jay's name was certainly at the top of the list. And he's been fantastic to help drive this forward. And I couldn't have done it without him, honestly. Well, that's far too kind. I, I'm not the brightest bulb in the world, but I can get some things done here or there. But, you know, Alex gave me a call then. I guess that was April, Alex, maybe. April. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, I had just wrapped up working at ODU for a little over seven years in kind of multiple different arenas. But I left as the assistant athletic director for ODAF, or athletic development. So it just kind of it worked in terms of being able to help the collective kind of move forward in my role as the executive director, you know, really kind of taking the reins on day-to-day operations as we kind of you know, get this thing moving. So it's kind of been a, a match made in heaven, frankly, and it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been stressful and a lot of work, but, you know, we're really moving in, in the right direction with uh, some momentum here. So I'm excited. All right, fellas. So before we get into the nitty gritty of what a collective is and what we've got specifically going on here, we've heard a lot of feedback and we've had a lot of questions from, from Monarch Nation and some folks who have joined the collective. They've asked about outreach to members and they haven't heard a whole lot yet since they've joined. We realize it hasn't been that long. It's, I think, only just November, although that seems like an eternity. But can you talk to us a little bit about why we haven't had any outreach to those members yet? I think a lot of it is we've been getting everything straight on the back end of it and making sure that we were taking care of players, we were taking care of donors, and making sure that from a standpoint of going forward, we had everything in line. There's been a lot of, obviously, it's a busy time with the transfer portal and a lot of other stuff going on, we wanted to make sure that we were, we had everything in line before we started outreaching to members. But the main thing that we want to definitely stress to the members is we want to make sure you guys are getting the, the content to feel like you are getting what you should when you sign up for this membership. And we have every intention of doing that. I think over the next three to four months, you'll see significantly more content. And especially with getting you guys on board, as we will talk about this later and getting SANIL on board, that's ex- specifically what they should be doing. And you'll see a lot more of that over the next couple of months. Yeah. And I, I'll piggyback off you there, Alex. You know, we, I think the important thing to understand 
for a lot of fans and supporters thus far is, you know, we, we launched in, I guess that was mid-November after, you know, a handful of iterations in terms of how we originally were going to start this collective. A lot of kind of backup and redos, especially with some IRS memos that came out and, and uh, countless hours of research and discussions with others. It, there's been a lot of moving parts. And, you know, we really spent a lot of time and effort to make sure that this was set up in a in a way that was sustainable long term. And and in as a result of kind of doing that, I think things have moved a heck of a lot slower than we ever necessarily anticipated as we kind of try to juggle making sure the foundation is built properly and correctly while staying compliant with NCAA rules and regs and state laws and also trying to set up a business that, you know, that is successful. So that's part of it. We had some hiccups with some contractual agreements with, you know, other entities. And so long story short, it's kind of been a, a lot of left-hand turn, right-hand turns. And, you know, I think we're finally on the on the smooth uh, and straight path here moving forward. And so, you know, we really expect the next, you know, three to four months to really kind of be a, a, a frankly, a new collective, even though we've only been around two months. So a lot of changes forthcoming, but I think it'll all be positive. And, and frankly, I, I love the fact that, you know, your fans and listeners and, and our supporters will, you know, voice that feedback because that's important for us to continue, you know, to grow. Alex and I both have full-time jobs outside of this. So, you know, we'll take all the help we can get. So I, I encourage folks to continue to share, you know, criticism along the way, because that's the only way we're going to get better. All right, fellas. So some people might not even know what a collective is. We'll start with the basics. What is a collective and how does it operate? You want to take that one, Jay? Yeah, I can. I'll jump in here and, you know, a collective in the grand scheme of things, and and I will try to boil it down to a 10,000 foot view as best I can. A collective is essentially a group of individuals. I like to think of it as a business because it's just easier to think of that way. It is a business entity that is started by a group of individuals that would like to support a school. Usually it doesn't always have to be that way. It can support an individual team or uh, maybe even an individual athlete. But in this case, in our scenario, you know, our collective is a group of us that got together and, you know, decided that we needed to do something to assist with, you know, ODU athletics. And, and so we started this business, the pride of ODU where we essentially focus on driving revenues by utilizing the marketability of student athletes. Those student athletes in particular reside or go to school and play or mostly go to school at uh, ODU. And, you know, and so our, our business model centers around the fact that we use their marketability to drive revenue streams back to us, whether that's through memberships online, whether that's through events that we set up and they help us market it whether it's, you know, autograph signings that we pay for, you know, autographs, and then we turn around and resell that, or we're selling apparel with their name, image, and likeness on it. Um, it is essentially a business where our, our main focus is to drive revenues that we will then hire ODU student athletes to help us, you know, continue to grow the business. Um, and I think and maybe specifically to this one, well, a lot of them in the country, but not all of them are like this. Some of them are completely donor funded. Some of them are more like we have set it up to try to be a business so that it's not completely donor funded because me and Jay just as we've had discussions and as we've seen this play out know that purely donor funded you're going to wear your donors out and that's not the only way to do this I think bringing in memberships and making being able to bring in revenue from other streams really make the sustainability of this work yeah I 
I think that's a great point, Alex. And in, in that, um, you know, as Alex mentioned that, you know, some of these collectives are donor driven, whereas ours is more of a, 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 of a business in terms of revenue drivers and finding multiple different ways to drive, you know, revenues. Some of those collectives are just donor driven where they're just hoping for one-time gifts or yearly gifts, almost setting it up like an ODAF model. Yeah. we really wanted to stray away from that. Obviously we had to do some of that to kind of get us up off the ground to help us uh, build this business. But, you know, at the end of the day, we both felt, you know, that that's not a sustainable model long-term. And the last thing we really wanted to do was have any sort of Robin Hood situation, Robin Peter to pay Paul type of deal where we're taking money out of ODAF's pocket. I mean, that's not really moving us forward in a collective spirit. Our goal was to you know, can we find some niches in some areas that either ODAF can't get to because of their limitations as a 501c3 or maybe their minimum entry levels? Can we work around those things to find some niches and some holes, you know, to really be a value add versus, you know, forcing people to make decisions as to which one they support? I mean, I still think there's going to be some of that. I think that's just inevitable, but our goal was to minimize that as much as possible. All right. So, I think we started to scratch the surface of the, of this a little bit, but you know, collectives are obviously still a pretty pretty new thing. So the regulations on collectives are still being figured out. What's it been like to deal with that as you guys have kind of tried to ramp this thing up operationally over the the last handful of months? I think that's probably been the biggest most frustrating part because you do something, they change the rules. You do it again, you change again. I think. You know, we originally were setting this up as a 501c3 in April and had gone through all the hoops and hurdles to get there. We had had an attorney in the area be willing to donate their time and help out. And we had gotten right down to finishing the application to file as a 501c3 and the IRS memo came out. And so we had, we sat down and had a conversation between ourselves and with the attorneys and really felt like, you know, from a sustainability standpoint, that wasn't the way to go anymore. Um, we didn't want to do it for just a year or try to get through it. We felt like we needed to go down a different route. As we've gone through it, we found another way maybe to work around it uh, from a donor advice fund standpoint. And again, we kind of got right down to it to do it. And just, we both had such reservations about it. We were really concerned because I don't want to take money from somebody, tell them it's you know a charitable donation them file their taxes and then on the back end come to find out, no, it wasn't. They have a penalty or have to refile. That was a huge concern of ours. So as we kept going through different iterations or different possibilities to make this work, I think we came to the, the most sustainable and the best version of it, which was to join with the SA and IL and have them kind of run the back end. We help with relations and with donors, but also set up a model that has a revenue stream from a membership standpoint. And I think that's certainly been the hurt, the hurdles that the NCAA and the IRS have put out has definitely been the most frustrating and the most challenging part of this. Yeah. And, and to kind of add on that, it, you know, it changes every day and it'll, it'll continue to, 
you know, and that's part of the busyness of, of you know, kind of working with this collective as well as just to, you're always on your toes and waiting for the next thing to change and adjust. But, you know, that's just the world that we're in at the moment. And I do think it'll kind of level out once, you know, we find a, a, a medium, you know, ground there. But it certainly was a lot of adjustments over the last couple of months to try to kind of get us to where we are for sure. It may be a blessing in disguise, the timing that everything came out, because there are a number of collectives around the country that were set up at 501c3s, and a lot of people gave a lot of money. They're about to file their taxes here in the next couple months, and that stuff's not tax deductible anymore. I I wouldn't be wanting to have those conversations with going back to folks trying to get more money after Uh, they just found out that it was no longer tax deductible. We we had several conversations with SNIL. And they had had multiple collectives of universities approach them. And that's the exact situation they had. They raised a bunch of money. The money's sitting in an account. They've already taken the tax deduction, but they can't use it. And they have to go raise the money again. I would agree with you. It was a blessing in disguise because we got to the spot that we wanted to. We knew we didn't want to rush this. We wanted to get to the right spot and not have to do this twice. Um, And so we're really happy with where we ended up and. I'm thankful long-term that we didn't end up being a 501c3 because it isn't purely donor-funded anymore. And even though we've had many donors step up and be willing to donate, that's not, I don't think, a sustainable model just purely out of donation. All right. So about your prep work and how many hurdles you had to jump through, but let's talk about your day-to-day activities now. So you're obviously dealing with these players and these coaches Talk to us about like kind of how this all works when you're trying to sign a player or they're looking at the portal, kind of all of that stuff. I I'll, I can hop in here. Yeah, it. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. We've only done it, you know, I guess one, two rounds now at this point in time since we started in November. You know, it generally the first round was pretty easy and we weren't fighting with you know, portal and all that good stuff at that point in time. So that was pretty smooth. You know, we had our list of uh, guys that we wanted to utilize to help us market the pride of ODU. And so that was pretty seamless and easy. And obviously, you know, I think any fan that's pretty plugged in could probably sit down and look and have an idea as to where they would like to invest some of their money to help, you know, build a business with some of these name, image, and likenesses of, you know, individuals on our team. So I don't think it would surprise anybody to, you know, learn that, you know, obviously starters were our our first choice, but, you know, the second round after the season was certainly much more, that one was difficult and things were coming fast and uh, over the holidays. And, you know, luckily SANAL does a lot of that contractual negotiation work for us, which is very helpful. It's a nice, you know, separation there for us as the collective. Um, you know, they have all the the legal background and they're the ones that write up the contracts and things of that nature. But there are certainly some times where we have to make some quick decisions as to do we come to the table with more money or do we not? You know, we, we faced some of that, you know, this, this go around, you know, but the day to day is usually pretty quiet until you hit the portal time frame. And then, you know, yeah, you got no idea where it's going to go. So every day is new. So, yeah, we've definitely got certainly one surprise from the portal. We, you know, I think Jay and I were talking um, hour by hour on some of this stuff. And every now and then it was a couple of days, but we'd get information that, you know, kid decided to transfer. And so we would have to go through that or, you know, 
maybe there's a player that they're interested in. So that from a day-to-day standpoint, I would say up until the portal, it's pretty quiet. You know, if we need to talk to a donor or to anybody specifically or SANIL, we, you know, skip a meeting. It's not too bad. The portal was definitely the, we were on the phone much, much more and then informing the board of what we were doing as well. So with our board, right, we're not going to do anything without the total approval of the board. And so that's where we come up with, hey, this is what we're willing to offer this player. We think he's got this type of marketability for us. Are we all in agreement? And we all kind of uh, chime in, see what our feelings are and vote, and then continue on to the next player or whatever we have to do. All right. So we've kind of talked the alligator closes the boat, getting this thing set up. What's been going on fast and furious over the last few months. But let's talk a little bit about what you envision, what each of you envision this collective looking like, say, a year from now and then five years from now. What's what's the vision on where you think this thing needs to go for us to be competitive with the people that we're competing with? And we'll talk about that. I think, bit. first of all, is we've definitely made the first steps to do that. That would be, you know, you want to be able to create and provide exclusive content for the membership and you know, pairing up with you guys is a perfect example of that. Pairing up with Roback, I think you'll see a lot more coming out. Having, you know, exclusive blog content, exclusive content with players. I think you'll see a lot more interviews with players, a lot more interviews with coaches. But that's not it. You know, keep moving forward. We think that we're going to be able to create camps for that the players will be able to instruct youth and even do women camps, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, and many other things maybe even events beyond that. I think there's a lot of areas we can go to. I think you can, I think the exclusive uh, clothing lines will be really cool to provide. And I know SANL has done some cool stuff with Oklahoma and Gabriel. They did a special shoe with Nike. So I think there's a lot of unique things that you can do with specific players and specific teams. But um, I think we're really excited about the camps. Uh, I think it's a great revenue generator and it really brings the youth and fans closer to the players to get to know one another. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, I would say a year out from now is, is really kind of an interesting discussion point. Our goal, you know, when we started was five years, you know, we had a five-year kind of game plan. And that game plan, you know, at the end of five years was to be, you know, 3,000 members and, you know, driving revenues of, you know, 500 grand, you know, in, in net uh, revenue. I think, you know, Alex and I, you know, and Alex, you can uh, obviously stop me if you disagree, but I think I've been very surprised as to how quickly we've kind of, I think maybe we undershot. I think, you know, in the next year, I would love to see 1,500 members. We started a little slow. Right now, we're a little over 60 members. Part of that is just very much kind of what we talked about earlier in terms of our rollout was a little quiet, you know, and, and there hasn't been a ton of reach out and follow up over the last month. A lot of that was timing. A lot of that was us continuing to try and to get the foundation right. We were, you know, probably went live a little sooner than we really wanted to, but some things kind of forced that hand. But I think this year, from a year to year period, I would love to see 1,500 members because that's really how this whole thing is going to succeed is with the masses. I think, you know, over the long term, 3,000 members in five years would be you know, my, my long-term goal there, but I'm really excited to see over the next year, just the build out of, 
you know, the value adds for the members that have joined, the ability for us to get our membership plugged in and engaged with events, camps, you know, unique experiences, autograph opportunities, travel opportunities, partnerships with other local businesses. I'm really excited to start to build those items out and release those out to the membership. I think that's really going to be a great catalyst for us to continue to grow. And I, you know, for me coming from the ODAF side of things, everything, you know, in ODAF was difficult to provide benefits for donors because it is a 501c3. And if you provide benefits, those donors have to, you know, deduct that out of their, you know, tax deductibility, right? Well, in our case, we are, we're not a 501c3, we are a for-profit entity. So we have the ability to provide some more, um, uh, you know, benefits to those members along the way. And that's where we're really, you know, trying to put our heads together here now over the next year is to build that out and really make sure that people feel good about, you know, supporting the pride of ODU and, and therefore in turn supporting, you know, Old Dominion University as well. No, so. I think Jay's right on point there. I think, I think 1500 members is something we'd love to see and, and certainly possible. You know, I think ODAP membership is just above 3000. So I think somewhere in that range over the five years is something we'd be really happy to get to. And as he commented, we can provide probably benefits that the university just can't, especially, you know, even stuff on getting on sidelines and getting autographs from players and, and many other avenues that the university just has to steer clear of. It doesn't matter for us. We can get, we can provide all those opportunities where maybe a lot of fans wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise. I, I will say that 3000 number, I'm thinking about it, right? ODAF, there's a lot of people that pool donations to increase their benefits. And then there's a lot of people that aren't local that are ODU fans. They probably never join ODAF because they can't get those benefits. But the benefits of joining the collective, they can reap rewards of no matter where they're at. And we see how many states our podcast is listened to in. And we're coast to coast. There's ODU fans everywhere. That's because they love you. I think we, <laughs> that's what we're, we're different. We're different too, man. People might be donating, you know, pesos and euros. <laughs> Dinars. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Right? right? Yeah. I mean, I think that would be the exciting part, right? I think 3,000 members is totally doable. Um, you know, I, I think, like I said, maybe we undershot. I don't know, but we feel really good about where we can be even at the 3,000 member mark. And, and it's, you know, I think it's also important to state too that we really try to design these membership levels to be, you know, really affordable. And I think, you know, people are going to be really surprised in the next month or two that we're going to find a way to make it even more affordable than what it already is. And so I think, you know, we're, we're trying here and, and that's, it's, it's going to be constantly changing and adjusting, but I think that 3000 member mark is, is very achievable. And at the end of the day, it's, it's all going to be determinant on, you know, the masses and all the fans and alumni, no matter where they are and any way that we can, you know, provide them benefits to make them feel more connected and part of the family, then, you know, that's, that's really, you know, the end goal there. I'd love to ask you more about that there, Jay, but it sounds like that's something we're going to have to wait a little to hear about. <laughs> just just a little teaser for you. Yeah, no. I would also say one quick thing is that by being a member, it's really a force multiplier for the collective. And the reason for that is by being a member, yes, you're paying the membership fee. But what it's really doing also is the more you listen, you know, you guys get to sell ads on that. And we get, we drive more content. We get to sell more ads, whether it's 
for the exclusive content on the podcast or whether it's a blog or it's just a story by people going to that and creating traffic, it gives us an opportunity to sell that ad for more, create more revenue that we can use to help with the more and more and better players. And it helps us with national brands as well. When we have a big membership, it helps us pull in some of those national, you know, brand deals that, you know, some folks have probably seen at other universities, you know, the more, the bigger membership we have, the, the easier it is to sell to those individuals knowing how many eyeballs are there. So. What's up, Monarch Nation? This is Aaron from The Monarchist. We'll have more about this on an upcoming episode, but as some of you may have seen, we signed on as partners with SANIL and the Pride of ODU Collective. We did this largely to keep the show free for fans and make it a self-sustaining project, as it can get pricey to bring you this content. Even better, this allows fans another way to help the university. With every ad read we had, that means dollars for the collective. So just by listening or visiting our website, you are helping our student athletes. Another great perk of this partnership is our new relationship with Roback. Roback makes some of the most comfortable polos and pullovers on the market, and they look sharp. Right now, with code MONARCHS, our listeners can receive 20% off their order. And with each sale, with that code, a commission will go to the pride of ODU. So you save money on great clothing while supporting our student-athletes. Just use code MONARCHS at checkout, get 20% off, and help ODU thrive. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right. So there was a lot of questions on the message board, which me and Aaron frequent to kind of gauge where the ODU fan base is at. And there was a lot of uh, questions about like transparency and uh, decision making of the board and how all that works. So let's first start with uh, the players. How do you reach out to the players? How does that whole, how does that happen? How do you, and then how are decisions made when you're deciding to pay a player, like our coaches involved and how are they involved? You want me to take this? <laughs> yeah, I, I think most of the time you're the one yeah, communicating I mean, with the players. So I'll let you take this one and I'll kind of follow it up. Yeah. 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 I, great question, Mike. Um, the transparency aspect is always going to be the hardest part about this, right? Um, you know, generally speaking, you know, for the most part, we brought in SANIL to help run the connection piece to the student athletes. We kind of felt it was important to have some, for lack of a better analogy, separation of church and state there, you know, and, and to be frank, I wasn't real. And I know Alex wasn't real fired up on, you know, having to contact, you know, student athletes all the time at all hours. So SANL is, is really the one that makes the reach out. We provide, you know, the, the contact information. They, they make the reach out. Like I said before, they, they do, they put together the contracts, so they handle all of that stuff. We provide, you know, to our, you know, third party group there, SANIL, we provide the list of individuals that we would like to um, hire or contract with is, is really the better terminology there with the Pride of ODU Collective. There is some discussion with coaches. Obviously, we don't want to, you know, try to contract with an individual that may not even be here or 
is not a, you know, maybe not the best, you know, person outside of, you know, the gates of school or classrooms or off the field. And so we do take a little bit of guidance on, you know, some of those intangibles, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really our decision based on how much money we have and how much, you know, we, we have either raised or, and or brought in via revenue. And we kind of set a budget and, you know, determine who we would like to market and help us build the pride of ODU in that manner. I think that's exactly right. We've, you know, there is some communication with the coaches, but all the decisions on what the player is going to get paid or what we're going to offer the player is, you know, communicated between the board. I think we, as you said, we kind of look at a budget, look at the sport and look at what the marketability and the value of those players are going to be to us going forward. And then as we make an agreement and decision, then we let SANIL know, hey, this is what we're willing to offer. And if there's a count or anything like that, they come back to us and let us know. And then that's really where we've gotten it. You know, it makes it nice to have somebody in between this, that situation. But to kind of build upon your transparency, you know, comment originally, Mike, you know, obviously we're never going to go and, and disclose what we're paying really any of the players, student athletes, it, it, a, it's a competitive disadvantage to do so. Um, you know, one, but, but also it's just, you know, we, we have NDAs just like any other job contracts would have NDAs. And, you know, that's just a privacy aspect of things that since we are a separate entity, we have no reason and there's really no you know business need to disclose that information. And so, no, we, we will never post what individuals are making. You know, that's their business if they'd like to do that, but that's, that's not how we're going to operate. But No, I appreciate that. Jay, and for anyone that doesn't know what the NDA is, a non-disclosure agreement, and uh, it it makes all the sense in the world. We have been asked that question a lot. I think I think think people are curious, but no different than any of us in our private lives. There's no website that should broadcast what we make either. I mean, just kind of a common courtesy thing, even above you know what the law is. But thank you for answering that without us even having to ask it <laughs> well um, I, I caught a twinge of it so i you know i figured I'd, I'd jump on the on the horse there too but you know it's it is an interesting thing. i know fans want to know and, and you see all these crazy news reports and stories about what individuals are making and you know i can tell you from firsthand experience a lot of that is fluff and a lot of that is you know embellishment some of it is real but, you know, for certain individuals, but, but a lot of it is fluff. And I think that's the one in, interesting thing I think, and Alex can, can build upon this if he, if he would like, but I, I, I've been surprised, you know, the numbers have been much more reasonable than, than what, you know, you might hear on Twitter or ESPN or God knows where else. So I have been surprised about that aspect. More on three. Yeah. We talked with Billy from SANIL and... He mm-hmm. was laughing at how bad on three mm-hmm. is at predicting NIL yeah, value. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, that's a good point too on value, right? I mean, that is the benefit of us working with, you know, this SANIL. You know, they've got 40 plus other schools under their belt and they really help us a great deal with, you know, what is said individual actually worth on their marketability? I mean, how, where are they seeing that individual in comparison to other, you know, group of five or power five schools? How would that measure out? And and so they've actually been fantastic in terms of providing market data, real-time market data, you know, that, that kind of help us stay in a reasonable 
price range. So we're not outbidding ourselves. We're not just, you know, throwing more money to throw more money. I mean, we would like to take care of as many people as we can, but we also don't want to, you know, overpay if it's not going to drive value back to the pride ODU and help us. You know, That's grow. exactly where I was going to go, Jay, is the ability to be paired up with SANIL and having mm-hmm. that database, if you will, of understanding and seeing all these other contracts, mm-hmm. whether it's group of five or power five and understanding kind of where the market really is, because Listen, nobody's going to tell you from another school because it's their competitive advantage as well. So not just from that standpoint, but all the way going through this, right? We couldn't call anybody to know how to set this up or anything. We kind of had to fill our way through it because nobody wanted to tell you because it's to their advantage that you don't know how. So we've been pretty quiet ourselves once we got to this point on how we've done it. But they have provided a great service on being able to kind of be a sounding board when we look at these contracts how much we're paying these players and hey are we are we kind of in the right frame on what we're off in the sky and they look at many different things to help us with that so obviously we're never going to compete with the alabamas and the miamis and the lsus of the world when it comes to nil but we're certainly going to compete with the sunbelt teams and other g5 sort of programs talk to us a little bit about who our real competitors are, like when you're building out the pride of ODU and when you're looking at values and what you're, you're looking at potential contracts with student athletes, who do you see as our truly, you know, biggest opponents or competitors with regards to where you guys want to be when you make those offers? I think the Sunbelt is definitely, you know, obviously it's our conference. And it, it geographically fits where we are. You know, most of the time we're not going to be, you're not competing with somebody in a group of five on the West Coast, or you might be, but it's pretty rare. It might be in the transfer portal. Mostly it's it's the, it's the our Sunbelt Conference teams. Maybe, you know, ECU or some of the other ones that are in our geographic location. But also I think that there's just different philosophies, right? Some teams from what we've heard, and, and some of it's obviously kind of hearsay, right? Nobody's telling us. We're kind of hearing it through the grapevine as well of, you know, are they just paying a couple of their really good players a lot or are they kind of spreading it around to multiple other players, you know, from, you know, all the starters or how are they doing it? I think it's more of a philosophy difference on how each team is doing it separately. We've heard a couple of the Sunbelt teams have said that they have a really good bankroll to do this. And some of them we really haven't heard that much about. So, it's a little bit of hearsay, but mostly it's totally been within our conference. Yeah, I, you know, it's a great question. I, I'm going to take a little bit of a, a left turn on you, though, and I say I, I think our biggest competition right now is bad information. I mean, first of all, at least in my experience, the bad information is is coming to you know some of our student athletes that we've already had under contract and and there's, you know, this discussion of all this money out there and it just hasn't come to be. And so we're fighting that bad information of what other schools have or what they don't have, or, you know, we're still very much trying to wade through it, but at least from what we've seen on a competitive standpoint, it's just been, you know, getting truthful information out to, you know, our guys as to what the market is. And, and I, I think we try to be very transparent with them um, on, on that. It's, it's an educational opportunity for them too, as well. Right. And, you know, and at the end of the day, and Alex and I have had, you know, this has really been a lot of our conversation for a long, long time. I mean, we're, there's no way we're going to compete with a, 
a power five, you know, if an individual has an opportunity to go to a power five school and they're going to pay them, you know, whatever, then great. That's fantastic. You know, I never want to stand in the way of somebody, you know, bettering themselves if they feel like that's what they have to do. Obviously we, we would like for them to stay here and we'll do everything we can to do that. But, you know, the competition sometimes just has, you know, has, has more draw there, but, you know, long story short, I think our, our biggest competition has just been bad information and in that, you know, especially in the G5 arena, there's a lot of schools that do have collectives. Some of them have multiple collectives. Uh, I've kind of run into who's actually in charge of which collective. Sometimes they're not aligned with, you know, individual teams, or maybe even they're not aligned with the institution as a whole, even at the end of the day, they want to go in a different direction. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit messy when you get outside in, in some places. So like, that's really kind of been our biggest competition is just trying to educate our guys, our, our student athletes, I should say. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's been several instances where players over the past year have gone into the portal and have been told one thing they got there and it was not exactly what, you know, there was other stipulations that came along with it that didn't, didn't play out the way that they were told or saw and they didn't get anything and also didn't quite play as much as they thought they were going to play. So, you know, I think we're going to try as we move forward in this, get that information to our, you know, to the student athletes at ODU that, Hey, be pretty, take it with a grain of salt when you hear a number that somebody's willing to offer you. Cause once you go in that portal, you're in there and we've seen the data that there are plenty of players that go in there and actually never get signed again. Yeah. And I think it also, it's a competitive advantage for us that we have some of these issues. Obviously it, it dictates to us how we should operate. Right. And, and, and our whole goal has always been to be as transparent as possible with, with our student athletes and understand that if we, you know, just operate, if we just do good business and, you know, and, and we do what we say we're going to do, it'll come back to us uh, long-term because it's, it's a little bit of the wild west out there. And, and I think, you know, we've, we've done a good job kind of walking that straight and narrow path thus far. I saw this breakdown online the other day, and granted, it was online, so take it with a grain of salt, but it talked about how some of these P5 deals are written out similar to the bonus structure you see in the NFL. So you have to play X certain, certain amount of snaps. you got to make all conference. you gotta, you got to start every game, and it just gets more and more ridiculous the longer you go down and results in them not getting any of the money they were promised. You know, I'd be really interested to see, Mike, where that came from, because technically you're not allowed to make a contract for, you know, pay for play. Right. So all of our contracts, none of it has anything in there about you have to play. You have to make X number of times. That's not any you won't see that in any of our contracts uh, and, and it really shouldn't be in any of the NIL contracts. So, I mean, that's part of that information aspect that we were kind of talking about earlier and, you know, where is that coming from and who released that? And, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting, but our contracts, yeah, are I would assume it's kind based of on, they have certain things they need to reach before they're given to the collective to be told to be signed. I, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, our contracts yeah. are much more mm-hmm. you need to do, you know, social media posts, you'll have to do interviews, you know, autograph signings. That is the stuff that you will find in our contracts because that's where the marketability is, right? And really from as you say that, yeah, it's that, that's exactly what Jay said, it's pay for play and it's not supposed to be done. What I have heard <laughs> is that like, hey, you know, this year if you make, you know, 
all conference, then your marketability next year will be this. And that's the way I've heard it kind of explained, you know, how, however well you do this year provides the marketability for next year. That's how I've heard it done at some of the power five schools. All right. Well, I thank you both for that clarification. I really do appreciate it. I just a good for our fans out there too. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh... It is a weird, murky time to be a college football fan. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, we've covered a lot in this uh, 45 minutes so far. I'm not sure what we're missing. We've covered a lot of it. I know we're missing <laughs> something. I mean, what I would love, you know, uh, as we kind of try and continue to grow, you know, I would love feedback from, you know, your listeners. I mean, any way we could get... What do they want? Yeah. What, what do they want to see? And like, where can we, obviously, you know, where can we improve? We know we need to work on some outreach, but, you know, as time goes on, we want the feedback from, you know, the fans, your fans, our fans, really alumni and whoever wants to be involved. It's the only way we're going to improve this. And, you know, Alex and I, I think would both venture to say that, you know, we, we do have other jobs, but we try to plug as much energy into this as we can, but we're not perfect. So, you know, if people can help us get better and become more perfect, then, you know, that would be the ideal situation. So if you guys can find ways to do that, I would love it. It's definitely taken up enough of our time to call it a second job. All right. So, well, you mentioned it. So how do you think, or how should fans reach out to you with any of their thoughts or questions? Well, you know, I think, A, we probably need to build a better mechanism for them to do that. Because as I think through that, when you ask me that, I don't, you know, outside of, we have our website, which has some of our contact information on it, mine in particular. And then I know, you know, our contact at SANAL who can help kind of build some of this stuff out as well is there. We also have a Twitter account, you know, that they can certainly interact with and shoot DMs there. We're in the process of building a Facebook page, which is not here yet. So forgive us. But, but I think maybe if that's something, you know, if they have a message board on your site, you know, that would be a great start. And we're talking about trying to build out a, a message board on ours or, you know, probably another collaboration between the Monarchist and the, the Bride of ODU there, because that would just make sense. No reason to have multiple message boards. But, you know, I would start with Twitter and emails for now and then reaching out to you guys, because I know you guys know how to get a hold of us uh, for now until we figure out a better mechanism there for that. Fantastic. And can I recommend Smathers and Branson discounts? Can we get that going? Oh, I like that. We can shoot for the stars, baby. I want to go for it. Oh, man, that sounds fancy. I don't even know what that is, Mike, but it sounds... They make the most beautiful belts in golf, and I want an ODU one really badly. Oh. Well, what was what was the clothing brand that I see everybody on Twitter uh, talking about? Like, kind of like retro style, like... Field Apparel. about Home Field? Home Field, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's one, that's one that, that we're going to have to have a code for. And okay. maybe Fanatics as well, because they have lots of Old Dominion stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I mean, these are the good ideas that we And, need. I mean, so. Billy gave me an idea yesterday that I never thought would be possible. A Monarchist co-branded beer with proceeds going to the pride of ODU Collective. Oh, that's definitely Oh, yeah. We've talked about that at nausea. And <laughs> I think I'm gonna, we're going to be able to do the vodka as well. So one of our board members... Yeah. Okay. James Summers, his wife does beach vodka, and they're I, mm-hmm. he's on the board. They're huge ODU supporters, and we've I've already she already texted me about it. We're gonna do see what we can do to figure out a way to also bring in beach vodka to help support the pride of ODU. These are all the fun little things we're trying here. Hey, if they make if they can do this, 
If they can do a cinnamon flavored one, that would be. <laughs> Our tailgate will be completely set, Mike. Exception <laughs> the food, because we haven't talked restaurants, guys. No, no, we'll have to talk that one next. That's part of the list too, you know. All the local joints and uh, anybody that we can we can get, we're gonna try and round them up here. So, so if you're a member, you can get a, you you know, can a discount or at least some type of percentage to go to the Pride ODU if you go there. Yeah, the way Billy explained it to us is at the end of this, when it's all kind of fleshed out, it'll end up looking like one of those booklets you buy from a local high school baseball team, but with a lot more brands and a lot probably better brands than you would get in one of those little books. Mm-hmm. And and that's only one mechanism, right? I mean, that's only one offshoot. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, there, that's the, the fun part about this is you can go anywhere you want to go. It's also the stressful part because, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, keep a tunnel vision and keep some direction. But but yeah, I I hope that fans and, and members, most importantly, members really appreciate what we're trying to do. And, and I hope that they really derive a lot of value from it by the end of end of this, you know, 2024. So, cause I think we're going to have a lot of progress for sure. So mm-hmm. let's plan to action. Like what are, what are the next steps that fans should do, you know, here, obviously it sounds like there's some news that's going to come out in the coming weeks with regards to outreach to fans, but what can we do as fans to help you guys? I would say, first of all, sign up for the membership, listen to you guys' podcast, and follow the content coming from ODU and from the Monarchist blogs and stuff like that. I think that's the number one thing we want you guys to do, because signing up obviously gives us a really good base and data to who we can reach out to that wants information about ODU and the pride of ODU, but then also by listening to you guys, right, it just drives more traffic and makes it easier for us to to do advertisements and, and bring more money and revenue into the pride of ODU. Yeah. My, yeah, my call to action would, would be very much the same. I mean, we are going to send out a newsletter here in the next month, you know, that send it to everybody you can, the more members we can get, the the steadier our business model looks and the easier it is for us to continue to grow and be successful. And, and obviously at the end of the day too, I mean, just bring as many people along as you possibly can. This whole collective is really going to be built on the masses and we're going to need everybody to you know, get involved and, and support somehow. And we're going to try and find ways to make that as, you know, cost effective as possible. And, you know, people will see some changes there in the short term as well. So some exciting, some exciting developments. So. All right, listeners. So you've heard it. Join the collective. If you listen to the podcast, go to the website. Any of that. You are supporting the pride of ODU and our athletes. Because the more listens we get, the more visits we get, the better the ads get, and the better the revenue gets, right? So listen to the podcast, tell your friends, join the collective, tell your friends, spread the word, and go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.